This is Janelle Wood, and you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. Welcome, friend. The Finding Something Real podcast is designed especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. As someone who's been through my own ups and downs with faith, I desire to create an invitational place for people to process and address questions about God and Christianity. Finding something real is about finding restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Those are things that I believe we all desire that Jesus Christ has the ultimate answers for. I tell people I don't just believe in Jesus because he's changed my life, although he has. I trust in him because he's radically real, and there's no one or nothing better. So if you find that all hard to believe, I understand that. And if you're skeptical, hey, you've come to the right place. But I invite people to go on a journey with me. And today we're diving deeper into season six with questions curated by my co-host this month, Luca from Switzerland. The way this podcast works is probably a little different than other podcasts you may have listened to. Here, every month, we try to invite a different young woman to share her story, to talk about her faith questions, and then we invite on Christian guests who can address her honest questions or topics. So this month, you're listening to episodes curated by my friend Luca. And in our first episode this month, Luca shared about her experience as an exchange student. She talked about her background and faith questions that she has. And last week, I shared a conversation with Detective J. Warner Wallace, um, where we talked about Luca's questions regarding the miracles in the Bible, especially the resurrection. And I really loved that episode. So please be sure to check that out if you haven't already. We're going to be talking about miracles again, actually, with another guest next week. But this week, I sat down with a returning guest and university professor to talk about another issue that Luca brought up. And even though Luca didn't join in for today's conversation, I am really grateful for her sharing something I think a lot of people wrestle with. And it's the topic of why Christians share faith to begin with, especially when there's so many different religions and worldviews out there. And today's Western individualized culture really puts an emphasis on following your own truth, whatever that may be. So I really appreciate this conversation with today's returning guest and his passion for sharing faith. And Luca, if you're listening to this one day, I hope this conversation helps shed some light on some of the questions that you asked. So friend, we'll go ahead and dive into today's talk in just a moment. But first, a few words regarding stuff that helps keep us on the air. Hi, friend. This podcast is sponsored in part by Faithful Counseling. Life is full of ups and downs, unexpected twists and turns, and sometimes we struggle with all that can come our way. Faithful Counseling will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist who is also a practicing Christian. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And as someone with a master's degree in counseling psychology and whom at various times in the past 20 or so years has benefited from seeing a professional therapist, I know the value that professional counseling can bring because we all need someone to talk with and Faithful Counseling can help. Please visit faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real to sign up for professional faith-based counseling. 
It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. There's also a special offer for Finding Something Real listeners to get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real. Thanks again to Faithful Counseling for being a sponsor of this episode. So friend, what's the point of sharing your faith when there's so many religions and worldviews out there that people follow and feel good about? Why not just keep your personal beliefs to yourself? We're going to be talking about that today. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and you are listening in for season six, where we are starting off each month with a different young woman sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and Christianity. This month, we are featuring conversations with or for a young woman named Luca from Switzerland. If you've listened to our episodes this month, you know Luca shared some questions she has about faith, but also she shared her story. Luca asked about other religions, saying, there seem to be a lot of different gods and religions that seem to help people. How do we know that there is only one true God? Today's special guest was here on the podcast once before, almost three years ago, in fact. Seems like a long time. It's hard to believe we've been podcasting that long. Back then, he shared about growing up in a Christian family, but also being surrounded by people who didn't necessarily believe like him. He talked about his work as a professor at a prominent Christian university, that's Liberty University, and he was passionate about evangelism, meaning he simply loves to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. Welcome back to the podcast, professor, writer, and speaker, Dr. Keith Oglesby. Keith, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Janelle. Thank you so much for having me today. It was a great time last time. I just look forward to trying to be uh, to answer questions for you and your audience, and especially for Luca. I've been praying for her very specifically, and it's an honor to help Luca and other people. And what a great question that we have out there. So I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Me too. And I have to say, I went back and I re-listened to that episode that we recorded three years ago. I was like, oh my goodness, he was such a gracious guest. And I loved how passionate you were about what you get to do um, regarding sharing your faith. Um, For those who aren't familiar with your story, why um, do you love teaching young people about evangelism? And what have you been up to these past three years? Yeah, well, lots happened in my life since we last talked. I am still uh, the professor of evangelism at Liberty University, the world's largest Christian university. And I love teaching people how to connect relationally with others and give them the hope that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Evangelism here means the ability to share the true story of the gospel. And what we call the true story is the birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we look at it from a wide range of areas. We have 15,000 college students here on our campus and 100,000 worldwide. So we have 115 to 120,000 people who are all contemplating the same question that Luca is. So I get the privilege of teaching that both here in a classroom with about 3,000 students every semester and online uh, with uh, tons of of, uh, students as well. And so that's what I uh, do. And I help them understand the gospel, the truth of the gospel, dissect the gospel. And with college students, we have a wide range of worldviews out there 
So I'm very familiar with Luca's uh, situation. It's a very good question. It's a question worth investigating. And really, we just allow the facts to kind of speak for themselves. So I'm just excited to be with you guys. Since three years ago, I also finished my doctorate. So now I'm Dr. K.O., Dr. Keith Oglesby, <laughs> which is awesome. And I have a book coming out in May called Live Your Purpose. And it's designed to help people understand that the God of the universe created them. He entrusted to them gifts and passions and a temperament and a personality. Um, he's entrusted spiritual gifts to them. And he's equipped them very uniquely to help meet needs in this world, which is what Jesus did. He walked around, went out to the people, intersected people, and gave them hope, gave them life, gave them energy, gave them perspective. And we want to do the same. We want to be followers of Jesus. And one of our commands as followers of Jesus is to share the truth of Jesus with others who may not know him, may know some things about him, or may be searching. And so that's kind of the purpose that we're going to live our purpose by first meeting Jesus and then walking obediently with Jesus and then serving others because of Jesus. Wow. So live your purpose. Is that available yes. for purchase on Amazon? It will be. Yep. It will be in May, the the middle of May. Not exactly sure, but around between the 15th and the 19th of May on Amazon. Okay. So right around the time that this episode is airing is when you Perfect. can go get your copy. And that book is primarily for people who are already Christians or who is it specifically for? It's actually both. Um, I hope that it would be a crossover book uh, like many of the other books. Uh, it is written from a Christian perspective because I believe to walk obediently as God has created us. He's the creator, we're his creation, that we first and foremost have to come to terms with who he is. But even if people are not a believer, the assessments about you being passionate, like, so it's a three-step model. Step number one is passion. What are people passionate about? You're passionate about these young ladies that you're reaching. Your podcast is so beautiful in that. Some people are passionate about helping people financially. Some people are passionate about weather. People are passionate about politics. People... But generally, people are passionate about three things, either a geographical region, maybe a part of the country, uh, uh, um, some place that they just feel drawn to because the Lord's given them a passion for that culture, the art, the people, whatever. The second thing they might be passionate about is a demographic. Maybe they're passionate about unwed mothers. Maybe they're passionate about trafficking. Maybe they're passionate about teenagers. Maybe they're passionate about kids in our foster care system. So there's a demographic or a people group people are passionate about. And then thirdly is, and this generation, especially of our college students today, man, they are active. They are passionate about a cause. They really want to be a difference maker in one of those ways. And so then God entrusts some spiritual gifts to us, whether it's teaching, whether it's administration, whether it's exhorting, uh, service gifts, all these incredible gifts to help us serve in areas that we're passionate about. So step one is passion. Step two is really understanding your gift. So if you're not a believer out there, know the God of the universe has made you really gifted at something or many things. And those gifts, you didn't derive those on your own. God and in his incredible wisdom and in his spiritual DNA, we all know what our DNA is. That's all your heredity and your genes and your hair color and your eye color. Well, He's in, he's created spiritual DNA within you. He's given you this incredible spiritual endowment of greatness that's ordained by him. And he desires we would use those gifts for his purposes. But if you don't know him, then the third step would be for you because we meet needs. There are people who are hungry. There are people that need that survive 
unfortunate events. There are people that, uh, in our world that has a natural disaster happen. So we see Samaritan's Purse and American Red Cross and, you know, we see all these people go in. And so to live your purpose, we want you long term to do something you're passionate, you really care about. Mm-hmm. Secondly, you're gifted. So it doesn't feel like work, like it's something you really enjoy doing. And third, you're meeting a need, a humanitarian need. If it's not from a Christian perspective, you can still live a life that's intentional and purposeful in giving and serving and loving others well. Now, we believe you're going to do that because of the overflow of what Jesus has done for us. But if you're listening out there and you don't know Jesus, you're contemplating Jesus, I totally understand that. But that giftedness did not derive on its own. Like we're all created different. Some people are great at reading. Some people are great at writing. Some people are super creative. Some people are artistically creative. Some people are musically creative. And and that gifting is entrusted to you. You are actually a steward. In fact, scripture says you're not your own. And I know we'll talk more about that, but, but you were created in the image of God for the purposes of God and redeemed by God. And we just want you to contemplate that, really think about that when you face all these challenges that we all face in the world. Hmm. Oh, that's really beautiful. So, Keith, how did you know that your purpose was going to be um, teaching evangelism at the world's largest Christian university? How did that happen for you? Did you know that this was what you wanted to do with the rest of your life? No, actually, uh, my passion earlier in life has been for Christian camping. Like that's what I've done my entire life. My wife and I started a camp down in Houston, Texas. We have about 25,000 summer campers down there that do sports and activities, but that was just a platform for us to share the gospel. So I've always had a heart. I mean, when I was young, when I was six years old, I got asked to do the devotional at the men's Bible study at my church. And it was because at VBS, just this little children's program, we were doing this story. And I told the teacher all about this story. It happened to be a story I knew. It was an obscure story. It was David and Goliath. And my teacher said, I want you to come as a six-year-old and stand up in this chair because you can't even see over the table and tell our men how much you love this story. And what I loved about the story wasn't that this little tiny shepherd boy took down this huge Goliath. I love that David said, if God is for us, who can be against us? I love that he didn't go out there with all that courage and bravery on his own. He went because he believed God and trusted God and believed God was going to deliver all of those Israelites because they were his chosen people. If he would just stand up and remind them, like, this is what God says about you. And maybe this podcast can just remind people. Hey, this is what God says about you. He crafted you. He created you. He designed you. He re- He redeemed you. So I started at six years old. I built these camps in Houston, Texas. And when I was down there, I was teaching for Liberty and I was coming up. Then I was doing intensive. It's just a slow progression where the door opened up and they invited me to come and be on faculty here. So I'm the director of Christian camping and the professor of evangelism. And um, I absolutely love it. It is something I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about training equipping and sending out the next generation of Christian camping leaders and an entire workforce. At Liberty, our byline is training champions for Christ. We want people to live their purpose. My book, if they're a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, an architect, an engineer on a medical staff, we want them to be an ambassador 
our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not a call to the ministry. It's a call to faithful service through the gifts you've been given to love others well. But along the way, if you're willing to also share the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hmm. What's the hardest part of your job? Great question. I think uh, one is um, time management because the workers are few and the, the harvest out there is plentiful. And just there's so many students and they have so many needs and there's so much sin and there's so much brokenness. Um, so one and two is um, some people just need beyond what I'm capable, either time wise or professionally. So being able to hand them off to people who can help them with the things that they're going through in life, but wanting to still not abandon them, but walk along beside them. I'm a pastor at heart. My heart is to shepherd and shepherd well. And my classes, I shepherd well. I make a commitment. My kids all have my cell phone numbers. They can call me 24 hours, day or night. We'll help them. We'll get them connected. Um, and I think the hardest part for me, and I don't know, but I'm kind of a... Um, entrepreneurial, fast-paced, upbeat kind of guy. And I went from this camp where I had a lot of freedom and autonomy and we designed a program and think about it and do it and fund it. But I'm kind of in a, not a rigid system at all, but I'm in a big university system that has challenges in doing all the things we would love to be out there doing for people. But we do have to consider risk management, time, things, finances. And so kind of operating as this wild stallion inside of a little corral. <laughs> Sometimes I have to bump up, the, get the fences a little bit, you know? Yeah. Well, and 3,000 students that you're discipling, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a yeah. lot of students. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. For someone listening who's not a believer, who yeah. all, all the things that you shared, they sound nice, but kind of foreign to them right now. Sure. Um, what is the good news that you are so passionate about sharing? If you could share the gospel with somebody listening, would you share that story um, to them right now? Yeah, I would love to. I would start that story with them. They're one of a kind. They're unique. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. In the Bible, which I know most of these people wouldn't believe, but in Psalms, it says that you were knit together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. All of your days were written before one of them came to be. Your life was there. You're not an accident. You were created by a God who the Bible says all things were created by him and for him, which means you were created and handcrafted with purpose, with gentleness, with care. You were entrusted with a temperament and a personality and a personality style and giftedness and spiritual gifts. And you are equipped with needs inside of you. You have a need to belong. That's why you're out there today and you might be filling those needs with things that leave you empty or hollow or hopeless because that need first and foremost is our deepest relationship is to belong. Even Maslow's hierarchy of needs in education, he's a social psychologist, but we have a deep drive to belong. And we belong first and foremost to our maker. We belong to God. We're his. We are not our own. We were redeemed with a price. So you're fearfully and wonderfully made. But what happened was that Adam and Eve, the first two people, the first human beings that God created, they disobeyed God. He said, do not eat from the tree. This tree contains knowledge of good and evil. But the God of the universe, he loves you out there, out there on this planet. He loves you so much. He gives you choice. And he gave Adam and Eve choice. 
and they chose to disobey God. And when they did, this thing called sin entered the world. Sin's this Bible world word, this big word. Sin is simply this. Sin is God issued a direct command, a direct order, if you will. Do not do this. In this case, do not eat from this tree. And Adam and Eve did. They disobeyed God. And that's what sin is. Sin is when we disobey God, when you disobey authority. Now, there's a thousand ways to sin and commit sin, but it's when we don't obey, when we don't follow. But God knew that. So the God who created us, who created you in his image, who created you with all of these talents and abilities, he sent at the appointed time his one and only son, Jesus. Jesus Christ came here, Emmanuel, God with us. Christmas time, born of a Virgin Mary, born in a stable, raised, did all these miracles, did all these teachings, did all these incredible things, the, the prophetness of him. And, and we could talk later. This is the short, but even the historical writings of Josephus and others mirror that there was this person, this real human being named Jesus of Nazareth. And he was born, according to census, to Mary and Joseph. Those are facts. There was a census. That's why he was born out in a stable. Everyone was there to be accounted. So the historical documents also state that there was this person, Jesus. They also state that 33 years later, this same person, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Mary and Joseph, was also executed by Roman torture called crucifixion. That's not a made-up fable. That's not a, a fairy tale. That's not a Bible story. That's a historical fact. He was born. That's where he lived and traveled. And that's how his life came to an end. And if that would have been the end of the story, then going back to Lucas' question, it would just be one of the other stories, like all the other religions out there that can maybe make you feel good. Or how do you know it's the real one? The linchpin, the part of Christianity that is distinctive, that makes it separate from any other religious system in the world, is that Jesus rose again. And he appeared to the ladies first. In biblical times, no testimony of a woman would be written, let alone written as a sacred writing and preserved all the way until today, 2023 years later. Secondly, he appeared to his disciples, not once, but twice. One time, one of their main followers, Thomas, wasn't with them. He appeared in the upper room. He appeared to over 500 people at different times. And when he ascended to go back to heaven from which he had come, he was on a hillside at the Mount of Olives with thousands of people who were watching. This Jesus, he died and he rose again and he ascended and one day he will return. That is the truth of the gospel according to the Bible and the other religious teachings and the other historical documents concerning this person, Jesus of Nazareth. So there's no argument. Did he live? Was he born? Did he die? The only argument to be had is, was he really God's one and only son? Was he really the Savior, the Messiah, the anointed one? 
And our argument for that is simply no other founder of any other religion ever has came back to life. None. There's not an empty tomb for any of them. They are all dead. And so that's kind of the, the, I mean, and we can go into the other types of arguments, but that's the truth of the gospel for our listeners out there. That's what you kind of have to, to weigh in on. Now we could weigh in on, you know, I don't know where you want to go from there. Maybe I should pause for a moment and see if you want to go differently. (laughs) No, I think that's great. And we'll definitely link in the show notes, some of the other conversations we've had about the resurrection, because you know, yeah. like the Apostle Paul said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then our faith is in vain, you know, and we're fools. That's right. Um, right. So it really does hang on that. And I know Luca had some questions about that. So um, we'll link those previous episodes in the show notes. But, um, you know, Keith, one of the things that you said in our last conversation um, that really stuck with me even long after we had talked You said all of us that are believers are here today because the disciples were faithful to obey the command of Jesus. I thought that was really powerful, and it's so true. You also said, and I quote, you said, we don't manipulate people to the cross. We love people to the cross. Right, right. You um, described the difference between manipulation and love when it comes to sharing what you just did. What is the difference between somebody who's motivated by manipulation or somebody's motivated by love? How would we know the difference? Yeah. Wow, Janelle, what a great question. Um, so here's what I would say, and this is literally, this is what I have the privilege of teaching my students here is first Peter three, 15 and 16 in the Bible, God's word. And again, I'm sensitive to your listeners out there, but this is where this comes from. Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have, but do so with gentleness and respect. When we look at the life of Jesus, he was continually engaging in people one-on-one and inviting them into conversation and relationship with him. He was very kind, very respectful, very loving to people Honestly, many of whom had a completely different worldview than he was standing there in their presence representing. But in no way did he um, manipulate them. He didn't try to argue with them. He didn't try to strong arm them. Think about the gentleness of his conversation like in John 4 with the woman at the Samaritan well. How he knew everything about her. He knew she was an adulteress. He knew that the person she was living with currently he simply asked her for a drink of water. He knew everything about this woman, but he was gentle and he was kind, even to the point she was saying, how can you, a Jewish man, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink of water? You're not even supposed to talk to me. And so that's just kind of a word picture that when we sit down and engage in a spiritual conversation with someone, it might be their background. Maybe they have something going on. Maybe they were hurt by the church. Maybe they're from a non-believing family. Like Luca, I don't know anything about Luca or those other people's story, but we want to sit down first and foremost and care about them as a human being, someone made in the image of God who has a need, and we can't meet all of those needs or know them, but we know Jesus who does know them intricately. And so what we're trying to do is create a healthy 
relationship conversation based on gentleness and respect so that we express love to them. They may never consider the Bible or Jesus or the teaching of God, but they might think that Janelle was so sweet to me in that conversation. Like she's just a very kind person. Like I don't really trust her God, but the way she treated me was so kind and loving and reverent and showed such a sacredness for my brokenness and who I am. And she really cared. She showed empathy. She showed compassion. She loved them well. So those are the conversations that ultimately help people contemplate, is there really a God? Many Christians, myself probably included, in many times in my life, maybe younger or less experienced or maybe too prideful or like, I haven't always done it right. I've made so many mistakes, but I've learned now over 30 years of not only loving people well and training people, that that's the origin of that statement that we made that when you express love, there's three kinds of love, as you know, Agape is the unconditional love of Christ. It's just based, I love you because you're there. Mother Teresa, walking down the streets of an abandoned Calcutta community and meeting people's needs, giving them water, giving them bandages, nothing to offer, no money, but just loving well. Agape is the, the most pure form of unconditional love. It's what Jesus expressed to all of humanity on the cross. We deserve death. He did nothing wrong. He got death, and we have the chance to make everything right. The craziest exchange of all of humanity. And then phileo, which is the brotherly love, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. Like, we love brother, sister. You like to hang out. You have your friend group. You like to shop. You like to go to malls. You like people you enjoy being with and hanging out with. And then eros, which is the romantic or the romantic kind of love. And so we love people to the cross by being kind, being patient, being very loving, listening, learning to listen and hear their story. We know in the Bible, we have 66 books cover to cover, like everyone has a story. Rahab, come on, like <laughs> look at her story. Esther, look at her story. Look at these incredible, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, delivered from the seven evil spirits. Like, look at these incredible women like your young ladies who might be out there listening today. Maybe they're in a relationship that's impure. Maybe they're in a conditional love situation. They feel like there's conditions or they have to be a certain thing or look a certain way. And Jesus says, come just as you are. I'm here. I designed you. I've redeemed you. You're valuable. You're valuable because you're mine. You're, you're worth my shed blood on the cross because I love you. So what I mean by that is we express that love. The manipulation piece, because I'm really more focused on the love piece, but the manipulation piece is sometimes we get in more of an argument maybe with an atheist or an agnostic person who wants to really argue with you about the Big Bang Theory or about genetics or about how old the earth is or, or more of a... Um, a scientific or maybe a cognitive or an intellectual opposition to the truth of the gospel because faith is really hard in the intellectual community. I serve in the intellectual community. I know that. And so 
Um, what I meant by manipulation is we can know all those facts, but when you just start arguing like a ping pong match or tennis, you know, like their fact, my fact, their fact, my fact, their fact, my, well, I'm not going to come to the realization that there's not a God and they're probably not going to come to the realization that there is a God outside of the incredible falling of the Holy Spirit in that moment, in that conversation, which I have seen happen. So I'm not saying it can't happen and I'm saying it happens more than we know. But what I mean is, for most of our listeners, for most of your listening audience, and especially your young ladies, if you're a young lady listening to this, I hope if you're a believer, you're willing to patiently sit down and love and listen with empathy to the story of the non-believer. And if you're out there and you don't believe in Jesus, you don't think Jesus was God's son, you don't think Jesus came here and he died on the cross, if you're out there in that condition, then I hope that over time, as you continually look for other ways to try to determine and find your purpose or find why you're here or what's going on in the world, that eventually maybe you would just give the Bible and Christianity and podcasts like this one a listen, that you would just listen to the truth of the word of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and listen to the Bible. There's no other book like the Bible written over 1,500 years by 40 different authors in three different languages on three different continents. Like here on my college campus, we have a main street called Wards Avenue right in front of there. You, you can't even decide where to go to lunch. I mean, you got everything. You got Chipotle, you got Panda Express, you got you know, <laughs> Five Guys, you got Blaze Pizza. Like, we can't even get three students in a car to go to the same place. You're talking about one document 1,500 years, 40 different authors, three different languages, three different countries, and there's not one single mistake. It literally does not contradict itself one time. And that's where the truth of this story of the gospel comes from. And that's another apologetic, or you probably going to bring in apologetics, but I'm just saying those are the things that we don't manipulate people, but when they say, why do you believe this story? For Luca out there, I've been thinking about Luca ever since I got that email yesterday. Luca, there is not one other book that has been so carefully torn apart and scrutinized as the Holy Bible. And if you look at this discovery and how we got it and where it is and how God has preserved it and the way he speaks in it, it is it, it will blow any other work of antiquity, any other old document away in every single category and that's because it's god's inspired word it was not written by men it was written by the inspiration of god that god used in those men to write that bible and there's five steps you have to meet i won't go through those criteria there's three things about it that we know we know it was inspired we know that it's illuminated by the holy spirit we know that it's been preserved through all of these different things like all the things so there's all of that but at the end of the day we love people to the cross by telling them very kind and lovingly the gospel in a word is love jesus if you said what was the mission what did jesus come here to do redeem us absolutely he came here to die on the cross and rise again so all of humanity could come back into the right relationship of the god who created us no question that's his mission but what was the motivation, what drove the mission 
for him to take on flesh, leave heaven, the Shekinah glory of heaven in his glorified state, come here to the earth and live and interact and teach and do and ultimately die to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. What in the world would lead a human being, God becoming flesh to do that? Love. Hmm. His unconditional love for us. We're created in his image, male and female. He created them. And I know I just threw a lightning storm there. We can do that if you want. <laughs> but he created them, male and female, and he created them to have relationship with him because he loves us. Why did Jesus die? He loves us. Why did God send Jesus? Because he loves us. How do we share the truth of that with others? We love them with the same love that he loved us. In fact, the Bible says we love because he first loved us. Yeah. Friend, if you're enjoying this episode, you may also enjoy exclusive bonus content each month. Finding Something Real is a podcast that has some costs associated with it. We have a website, monthly subscriptions to stay organized. We design things. We like to pay an assistant producer who keeps things going around here, that kind of stuff. We're not in the business of trying to make money, but we are in the business of wanting to keep this show going and be sustainable. So we use Patreon. And if you haven't heard of it, Patreon is the best place for creators to build memberships by providing exclusive access to their work and a deeper connection with their communities. Each month, patrons who support Finding Something Real get a bonus episode where we recap the month's episodes. Often those episodes feature our co-hosts and they will often share what this journey was like. There's other perks over there too, and it's easy to get involved. Just go to findingsomethingreal.com and click support at the top of the page. We'd love to have you over there in our Patreon community. I love that emphasis on invitation, um, that Jesus meets us where we're at. I remember you sharing quite a bit about that last time we were here. Luca, as we both know, is not here today. And I want to advocate for her position a little bit. Um, She grew up in a home that wasn't religious. And while she was baptized and went to a religious school growing up and heard a lot of these Bible stories, none of her peers are believers. Although she went through a period of time around middle school where she was curious about God, she felt that ultimately the reality of suffering and a lot of the questions that she has um, about the world made it impossible for her to believe. And she is scientifically minded, too, to kind of touch on that point. Um, And she admires people with genuine faith, but at this point in her life, it's not for her. Um, at least that's what she would probably say if she was here. Luca, if you're ever listening to this, I hope I'm (laughs) bringing your uh, perspective justice. Um, And so one of her questions was, um, as you've already touched on and and I presented at the beginning of this conversation, there are so many different religions and gods that help a lot of people. And I would actually expand that question to say, there's just so many worldviews that seem to help a lot of people. Um, And not even just religion, I'm talking about uh, the secular religions of our day, humanism and materialism and all these different hedonistic type things, um, where it's all about me and and how well can I serve me. Um, So the question was, how can there only be one God? Um, That's a question that obviously is not unique to Luca. I'm sure that you've even encountered that on a Christian campus, Mm -hmm. um, which I'd love to hear if you have. Um, But how 
How do you believe that there's only one way when there's a lot of things, you know, the fastest growing religion right now is Islam. How can we say that Christianity is the only way, Dr. Oglesby? Um, Great question again. And Luca, um, man, I respect you. I respect um, the thoughtfulness of which you've contemplated existence and why you're here. And um, there are a lot of ways to answer this question. We have one podcast, as you can imagine. I do encounter this question often. And I've been thinking about that question specifically since last night when I received it. I tried to kind of narrow it down to about three things, three main ideas, and we can spin off of any of those that you want. But the number one reason is um, Christianity is the only world religion in which you don't have to earn your way up this ladder, this class system. You don't have to earn right standing with a God. Christianity is the only world thought or religion in which the God of the universe, instead of us earning our right standing with him, as mentioned earlier, God sent Jesus from heaven down here to earth to us. And so while there are a lot of other world religions out there that I think some people are very performance driven, Janelle, we live in a world of performance. We want to be the first chair. We want to be the lead. We want to win first place. We want to win the sports championship. We want to win the internet. So we're very driven. And so one of the attractive things, Luca, about other religious systems as people kind of like the climb the ladder, get to the next level, get to the next, the five pillars of Islam, you, you feel like you're making progress toward acceptance or nirvana to this place with God. You, you have this almost like your world is very, your job is performance oriented, your kids are performance oriented, your grades are performance oriented. So now you can put your religion in that same category And you're asking, why do you feel like some people find comfort or find, um, you know, like identity in that? So I'm just saying some people and and I don't want to misrepresent. I'm not trying to make any gross categorization, but some people like results. We like to paint a fence and we see where we stop. We like to mow the yard and smell the fresh ground. Like some people like to feel that way. And Christianity, Luca, is not that way because there's literally no performance required. Jesus came and gave us this gift. So that's a little bit like uncomfortable because it's not natural in our humanity to receive something for free. In fact, we're actually taught skepticism. If someone's giving me something, they want something in return. There's an expectation there. I have to pay that back or do something or what do they want or, or they're like, so it's a very, uh, uncomfortable and unusual situation sometimes that God gave us Jesus and this gift of salvation. And then we don't have to do anything, quote unquote, to earn it or climb. So that's all number one is a lot of world religions set you up in a system that kind of mirrors your life so you can kind of track progress. Is that just number one makes sense, Janelle? Is that number one before I go to number two? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Do you want to ask anything about that before I go to number two? I think I'll wait till you you have all three and then I might have some follow-up questions. Okay, perfect. Okay, so um, number two is 
for the performance, obviously, close related to that is you're earning distinctions or you're learning, even in some worlds, you're going to come back reincarnated as something else because you're trying to get to this next level, this next level. With Christianity, we are not doing it to earn favor or earn the next level. But the motivation for us is we want to read our Bible or we want to pray or we want to have a spiritual um, perspective or worldview from Christianity because of gratitude out of a thankfulness for what God did in sending Jesus and what Jesus did for us. Whereas some other world religions and those things you're you're trying to earn. So. I know it's close to number one, but it's a little bit different. Like we're not earning, we're like giving our life in devotion or stewardship back to, that's why I want to help students here learn who, you know, Jesus is and what he's all about and what he can do for them. Because in the, in, in the, in the one sentence, number two is people find comfort in religion and all the world religions. And we find comfort in the relationship. We in our relationship with God, want to learn more about him, understand him, represent him, live for him, where they are not doing it for a God. They are doing it almost almost like some of the religious leaders in the Bible. The Pharisees had their laws. There were 619 Jewish fans. That's why when they come and they ask Jesus, like, there's all these things that we have to do. We can't wash our heads on this day. We can't do this on this day. We can only eat on this time. And on the Shabbat, we have to do this. Like, well, there's all these laws. We can't even keep up with them. It's like the tax code or like a phone book. We can't even keep them straight. And he said, I can make it really easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And second, like I know this is love your neighbor as yourself. You know, like here we are again. Love, love him, love others. Love God, love others. Love Jesus, love others. And the third, which we had mentioned earlier, because I didn't know exactly with the podcast, but the third one, of course, is the empty tomb is what separates Christianity from the other world religions. They all have a founder who was here. He received whatever type of instruction, enlightenment, whatever you want to have. And then they died, whereas Jesus rose again and he ascended and he's going to return. And um, I would say this truth in love if all the other world religions if all the other places like luca here if they all go to the same place or they're all meaningless if all of the world religions are just fake they're false they don't work christianity included doesn't matter if they if the whole world is just wasted their time then luca could be right and any of the atheists the agnostics all those people could write i could have spent my brief 50-year career here teaching people something that really didn't matter at all, teaching them to love people well, be kind, show compassion, show empathy, serve others, change their tire, cook them a meal, take them in, bring them in, give them a shirt. Like, like maybe it was just all humanitarian aid, and that's all it was. I, I wasted my entire life pursuing this thing that I perceived to be true, but at the end, they got me. I wasted my whole life. Okay. But, Janelle, if you and I are right, that means when we die, we are going to step into this beautiful presence of God forever and ever. This beautiful place called heaven. Streets of gold, crystal sea, 
holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All the saints before us, we're going to be there. We're going to be in worship. And in eternity, we'll be in a place of beauty, no sin, of well-being in the presence of the Almighty forever. And the people who didn't receive or accept this free gift that creation shouts about, that the word tells us about, that Jesus came and lived for, died for, and rose again. The people who do not believe that, they're going to spend eternity, which is forever, like the rest of their life, in a real place separated from God. And the Bible describes that pretty, pretty vividly. So just to clarify for someone listening, maybe it's Luca listening to this later, maybe just, you know, somebody who is a Christian but has these questions too. Um, is it possible, Keith, to for all these different roads to lead to the same place? Can Christianity, Islam, Mormonism, secularism, all these things, can they coexist and lead us down the same path to God? According to the Bible, is that possible? Yeah. According to the Bible, that is not possible at all. Um, and just just a, a quick overview of that would be um, from the very beginning, the Spirit of God, Genesis 1-1, Genesis means beginning. He was hovering over the earth and it was formless and void. And he started creating and he created everything that we see, the sun to govern the day, the moon to cover the night. He created all the planets, all the stars. Isaiah chapter 40 tells us he knows every single star by name. He holds the waters of the earth in the hollow of his hand. It's this vast configuration of this incredible, indescribable God who's so big and oh so out there that, you know, 14 billion light years away in the Whirlpool galaxy. We have a cross in the center of it, yet he's so personal. He knows the number of hairs on our head. And that God who did all of that creating in Genesis in the next book called the Exodus, he leads his promised people, the Israelites, out of captivity. And he meets with Moses one-on-one. -on -one. He leads them by fire during the day, by smoke during the night. And he gives Moses these incredible Ten Commandments. And the first four of them say... There is no other God. You shall make no other God. You shall have no other God. You shall not make for yourself a, a graven image. Like, I am a jealous God. He is the God who did the creating, who created us in his image. And he was active through the prophets and prophesying the Messiah, which came. And Jesus fulfilled every single one of those prophecies. And then he died on the cross, rose again, and said, I have to leave. Because if I don't leave, I can't send you the Holy Spirit, which in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit arrives. you got these unschooled Galileans, these fishermen and tax collectors, never one day of institutionalized, what we would call proper educational procedure, have been in the presence of Jesus, have been with him, filled with the Holy Spirit, start doing all these miracles, start teaching the gospel in their own language. Like his, his interaction with us as humanity now from afar through this Holy Spirit, and we see the Holy Spirit moving and doing all of these incredible things. And now they're walking around doing all the things that Jesus was doing that was making Jesus controversial. So this God has been interacting with us from Genesis when he created us all the way through the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Now we have Paul, who was an eliminator of the way. He hated Christianity. He was out to annihilate it. He gets radically changed, takes three missionary journeys as one of the first missionaries in the New Testament now who's taking this letter to Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and the ends of the earth. So this God has been interacting. 
with Moses in the Old Testament, fire by day, meeting with Moses, veil over his head, interacting with him. With Jesus here, we have Jesus in the Gospels. We have God in the flesh. We have him walking on water, feeding 5,000, peace be still, and the wind and the weather and the waves, they all get calm. He's over all of nature. He's over all the commands. He's over all the diseases. He's over all the demons, and he's walking in their midst each and every day with them. And one time in Matthew 17, he takes Peter, James, and John up on the mountain, and when he does, he transfigures himself. That's a crazy word with a story. What it means is he went up with these three guys, the three closest people, Peter, James, and John, and Jesus took off his flesh. He took off his skin. He showed his glorified heavenly state, how he was in heaven before he came to earth and showed that. And to validate that in the same, uh, at the same episode, he drops in Moses and Elijah. So now you have the prophets that have been talked about, the prophet of prophets, Moses, who was given the law, standing there with Jesus, who is the law, and he's in his glorified heavenly state here on earth. Here he is, like showing them that. And that's not even enough. Then a cloud envelops this scene, and God's voice says, this is my son. Listen to him. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit ascended like a, descended like a dove, and he went through the water, and God's voice said, this is my son. Listen to him. The one true God has been interacting with humanity since he created us in Genesis, redeemed us in Exodus, led us out of Exodus, sent Jesus here, confirmed through voice and action that was him, and he was raised from the dead. And then in Ephesians, it tells us we who believe, who have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, have the same power that God exerted in the resurrection when he resurrected Jesus inside of us. So what I would say to that question is, there's no other God with Buddha, Muhammad, New Age, Joseph Smith, Jehovah Witnesses. There's no other God with documented, substantiated interaction as the creator with all of creation. All of creation moans and longs for his reappearing. No other God and no other religion can make that claim. And I'm not even an apologist. I'm just an evangelist. If you want to get with the apologist, I mean, no new DNA material has ever been created since that time. And all of science is trying. You can take existing DNA material, plant and animal, hybridize it, pull it out, move the DNA. You can create from created, but they are not, have not, and cannot create living from nothing. That's what God did, and no one else has been able to do it since. That's the one true God. And by the way, his son is empty. And so... 
you're not going to go finding. You're not going to go out and find the DNA material of him because he's not here. We're not going to see that until he returns. And then we're going to see it in full glory. Yeah. And obviously you're familiar with these verses, but for someone listening, John 14, 6, Jesus said, yep. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Um, no man comes to the Father except through me. And then Correct. I believe, I don't know if it was Acts, but it says salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name. Acts, Acts, Acts 412. 412. Yeah. Salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Romans um, 10, 13. For those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah. So it would be unloving, going back to that love piece, uh, to pretend otherwise. And, and if there was any other way, if all other roads led out, if there was any other way, what kind of God would he be if all of those led to heaven and he did that to Jesus anyway? What kind of God would he be to make his son go through the torturous agony of pre and during crucifixion if all of those other roads went to the same place? That would not be a loving God. That's in total opposition to his nature and character of who he is and who he created and called us to be. Mm. The other day, Keith, I was talking with an agnostic woman whom I love, and she was like, I get why people just want to keep their beliefs private. It's so personal, you know, and I hear a lot of young women that I love, especially from Europe, tell me that it's not culturally normal to share your personal religious beliefs with others. Some of them have never even talked to their own parents about whether they believe in God. That's not an an uncommon conversation that I've had. And last summer, I invited one local young woman to co-host this podcast with me. I live in Washington State. And her response, as she private messaged me, was that she was not comfortable sharing her personal religious beliefs with anyone else. These are not one-off sentiments, but a prevalent idea amongst Western culture that you do you and let me do me and let's not talk about our differences so why not just keep your personal beliefs about Jesus to yourself? Yeah. Well, first of all, Janelle, I love the reach of your podcast, and I want to show the utmost kindness and gentleness and respect. And I certainly respect these young ladies, their point of view. So I just want to say that first and foremost, followed by a comma, but unfortunately, The truth of the Bible is Jesus commanded us to share our faith, to be active in it. We're called to be his ambassadors. Matthew 28, 16 through 20 says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we are actually biblically commanded and called gospelly by Jesus. And, you know, we we all have the privilege of, of traveling and when you get on that airplane and that flight attendant gets up right before you take off and she's going to explain how to buckle your seatbelt and if the mask falls down, if we lose oxygen and put yours on and then somebody else's and they're going to give you those very final instructions. Probably not going to happen, but we just want everyone to know right here before we take off, 
You know, they don't give us those instructions where we're running through the airport, trying to wait in line at Starbucks and tapping our foot and hoping we're going to get to the plane on time or or we find something in the gift shop. We're like, oh, I just have to give this person this coffee mug. Like when we're in the airport, but once we're on the plane and we're buckled in, these are some pretty important things. And for Jesus, before he buckled his seatbelt and stepped off this earth and went back to heaven, he said, now that I've died and I've risen again and I've washed feet and I've fed 5,000 and I've walked on water. But before I go, before I go back, here's what's important. Go tell other people who I am. Go tell. It's not the great suggestion. It's not the great if you have time. Like tell. Well, you don't have to be Billy Graham or Louis Palau or Franklin Graham. Like I'm not saying you called to be Nick Hall at Pulse Minute. You don't have to be on the stage in front of thousands. But if you truly love somebody a lot and you care about their overall well-being, their spiritual well-being, and you don't share the gospel with them, do you really love them? Because they could be staring at death and after death, Stand before a savior. That's what Hebrews 9.27 says. It's once for man to be born and then to die. And when you die, you face judgment. You are going to face judgment. That's it. Like it is going to happen. It is going to happen. So if we choose silence, and I respect these young ladies, talking to people about your faith is not normal. And, and I know it's kind of a Western thing, but I'm not a Western person. I'm a human being made in the image of God redeemed by his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to sit me personally in an airport, in an airplane with somebody. I'm not going to sit somewhere with someone I really care about and say, hey, before we go, I just want to share one thing. Jesus Christ is the most important thing in my life because I was a sinner. My life was completely messed up and he came in and he died for me. I just wanted you to know that if you'd like to talk about that, I'll give you my cell number. I'll let you text me. You can IM me. You can message me. We can sit down. We can talk. I mean, I've talked with students this week in my office sitting in this chair right across from me with students who don't believe. I talked to them. I have a very intelligent guy right now. I'm in conversation. I've had three meetings with him. He grew up in the church. He just doesn't believe it. He just doesn't believe. He wants to believe, but he just can't believe. Mm. And I love meeting with him. He has great questions and they deserve answers. And someone he was meeting with previously said, I can't help you anymore. You just have to come to a place where you believe it. And I said, as long as I'm here at Liberty, I'll meet with you as many times and answer as many questions as you have, because I'm just here to serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who I'm here to serve. And so for these young ladies, um, I would say an Old Testament story for that. If you have time, we'll be out of time already, but. In the Old Testament biblical times, the pharaohs and the kings, they would make an edict. They would make a command for the whole community. So they would say, thus saith the king. The king says, from now on, from sundown to sunset, you can't go out in the streets, or you can't do this, or you can't do that. But then a herald was the spokesperson. The herald would go out, and they would gather the whole community in the cobblestone courtyards and all of that. And the herald would step up on this platform. And he would step up and say, thus saith the king, and the herald would tell the new law or the new command. He didn't make it. 
he was just responsible for disseminating the message, sharing and telling the message, right? We are called by the king to tell the message. We didn't have to die on the cross, but we are called to herald. We're called to speak it. You can't lay on your Bible and hope that you will osmosisly memorize scripture. You can't talk to people who believe certain things and not do the deep dive or an investigation, even for our believers out there. Cause I know there's girls out there believing like, don't believe what a pastor says. If somebody says something, you're like, I don't know if that's right. I've not heard. I mean, all my life I've been in church and that's not right. Go look it up. Go like, so I just encourage, I, I encourage information. This is the information age. We Google everything. I mean, go to gotquestions.com. Go to, um, there's truelife.org, truelife.org. Is, and you might want to get this guy on your show. He's amazing. This guy named Jesse Connors. Janelle, truelife.org. He's incredible. But he has a website you can go check out. He has a website called Video Answers to Life's Hardest Questions. It's incredible. He's an amazing guy. And um, but uh, so I'm just saying, like, there is resourcing out there. There are places that people go after this podcast or after we get finished here. I mean, there's a lot of information. A lot of, but to your question, if they don't want to share their faith, they're uncomfortable. That's OK. But as believers, we are called. We are actually commanded to be active in sharing our faith. Philemon 1.6 says that. Be active in sharing the truth that you have, the belief that you have. We're called to be active. We're called to be agents. We're called to be involved in the game, not spectators. Christianity is not a spectator. You can go to church and be in a crowd and just watch, or you can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and worship him in spirit and truth the same way in John 4 after he meets with the woman at the well. She actually tells him, one day Messiah will come and we will worship him in spirit and truth. And Jesus says, I am he. One of the many I am statements. I'm the bread of life. I'm the word of life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am he. Yeah. Yeah. When we're excited about something, it's a lot easier to talk about it, right? Because it just yeah, overflows sure. out of our life. Um, right. So if you are sitting there going, man, you know, it's really hard for me to share my faith with somebody. If you're somebody who is a believer, just ask the Lord to uh, to draw you closer in relationship with him. Because, uh, you know, Jesus said, I think it was in John 15, you know, this is eternal life, that they would know you and your son whom you have sent. And so uh, when we are overflowing with that water in the desert, so to speak, it's really hard not to share that with somebody who's thirsty. Um, That's right. So... Anyway, um, well, one final question here. I know I asked it of you last time. Uh, this has been a great conversation, by the way. Uh, the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Real represents those things, restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Which of those things, Dr. Keith Oglesby, stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? I think eternity because this is love, eternity with him forever and ever. So it's really not a second. Like, we're not doing this for now. We're doing this for eternity. Eternity is now. Once we're a believer, we're here on earth, but we're living in eternity. So eternity. But you have to have restoration, because if you're not restored, you're not going to live in eternity. So restoration includes redemption, or we're not restored. So I, I view that as being fully restored in Christ, 
which then gives you the ability to be fully restored in all the other areas because now you can receive the true healing that comes from the relationship. And and we really can't reach full restoration, especially if we've had terrible, tragic things happen to us without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit because in our flesh, we can't restore ourselves. We can only do that through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But authenticity is why we have people growing in other religions. They've grown tired of inauthentic Christianity. When we have the divorce rate that's the same in the church, outside of the church, when someone says they believe in this and then they do something else or they tell me this is important, then they do this or they think God's important and then they live like this. So if you're not authentic, then you're being a poor ambassador for Christ. Your life is not matching and they don't want that kind of person. They don't want to whatever. So what's the fourth one? Love. Okay, never mind. Love. <laughs> what's the most important of those four? Oh, love. Without love, you don't have the other three. Mm-hmm. Love is, I mean, the gospel in the word is love. God in a word is love. He loves us so much. He He loves us. He doesn't want us to follow false gods because that leads us into consequences. He loves us enough to do those. He loves us enough to redeem us. He loved us enough to send Jesus here for us. Jesus loved us enough to die on the cross for us. So Jesus loves us enough to give us the promise that he's going to return and make all things right one day. Like we're going to be with him in love because of his love. We have redemption because of his love. We can live authentic because of his love. We've been restored. So love of the four, it's love period of the 40 of the 5,000 of the 10,000 of the 1 million. Like if you got to pick one of the four, you can't truly have the other three without that one. Mm. It would be, it's the secret sauce. So like if you're going to mix up concrete, you have like the sand and gravel mixture, and then you have the cement mix and you have water. All right. So they're all really, really, really important. But if you don't have water, you can't activate any of the others. You don't have the waters. We don't have the living water. The living water is love. We don't have that. We can't pour that over all the salve and everything else. Like we have to have water for life. It's the essential ingredient for life. You can go, you know, two weeks without food, but 48 hours without water, you know, like you have to have water. And so we have to have him. We have to have love. We have to have Jesus. And Jesus is the love. He's the secret sauce of all the others. Love. Mm. Good word. Uh, Dr. Oglesby, thank you so much for being on here again. Just a privilege to have you and uh, hear your wisdom and your love for people and for the Lord. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.